Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Here we go. Yes. Well, let's just begin with a prayer and a blessing because you know that's what I like to do. And my name is Jennifer Hadley. (laughs) I love to pray. I love A Course of Miracles. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to connect. So let's place our hands on our heart and give thanks. We are grateful to open ourselves to unlimited, unprecedented love. We are grateful to say yes to the dynamic field of love in which we live and move and have our being. We are grateful to recognize this dynamic field of love supports us now and forever. Everything is for us. Nothing is against us. We are loved. We are grateful and thankful to come together by means of this technology In order to know and remember the truth, to be happy learners, we are grateful that our choices are bringing benefit to our brothers and sisters. We share our healing with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. Our topic this week is weakness and defensiveness. And this is uh, the title of the section in chapter 22. It's section five, weakness and defensiveness. Let's really understand this. I know I've talked about defensiveness quite a bit, I think, in the last year or so. It's such a helpful thing to understand and to learn about. And I am grateful that we can understand this. I meet many people who uh, have a tendency to be defensive. And I know when I'm on the receiving end of it, I am often wondering, okay, am I attacking them? Is this why they're defending themselves? I thought I was just asking questions, but it feels like they're being defensive. And it is so helpful to understand that when people are feeling defensive, which isn't necessarily the same thing as being defensive. But when I am feeling defensive, I can look around my mind and see, do I secretly wish to attack? Am I formulating my excuses for my attack? Is that what's really going on with me when I am feeling defensive. And it is. It is. I might not like to admit it, but it is. And that's helpful to me because then I can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I really don't wish to attack. I'm really not interested in being an attacker. I, uh, Course in Miracles says the attacker always feels attacked. I am not interested in always feeling attacked. I, I I had enough of that, and I feel complete. So no thank you, no thank you. So defensiveness and weakness go together. Let's see what this section says here, and let's get these patterns out of our mind, out of our life, out of our relationships, out of our business, out of our workplace, OMG, let's let these patterns go. So vital because I know for myself that I used to feel 
very defensive a lot of the time because I felt guilty. I felt bad. I felt wrong. I felt ashamed. And so I was defending my choices, feeling that I had to, uh, that it, otherwise my choices wouldn't be valid and people would walk all over me. So I felt defensive a lot of the time. And a lot of the reason I felt defensive was because I was attacking, attacking, attacking in my mind. So I felt guilty for all my attack thoughts. And so I was rehearsing defenses in my mind all the time. So attack thoughts in my mind all the time, rehearsing my defense in my mind all the time. And quite frankly, it's no way to live. There's no life in that. It's just... Uh, a constant recirculating uh, deadness, truly. And it is truly wasteful of our life force. It's a huge distraction. It is the epitome of resistance and reluctance showing up in our experience. So here we go. Chapter 22, Section 5, Weakness and Defensiveness. How does one overcome illusions? Surely, not by force or anger, nor by opposing them in any way. Merely by letting reason tell you that they contradict reality. So illusions contradict reality. They go against what must be true. The opposition comes from them and not reality. Reality opposes nothing. So that which is true, that which is real, opposes nothing. That's helpful to know and understand. So it makes me think of Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Science of Mind. Uh, He had said something like, uh, I'd like to be part of a group that's for something and against nothing. For something and against nothing. And I feel like, yes, I'd like to be in that number as well. And before something and against nothing. I am for love. And what do I need to be against? Now, we could say, well, I'm against the use of torture. Yes, I'm not for the use of torture. I am against it. I am against punishment. And still people will choose punishment because that is how they are choosing to learn. And so the other thing is, is that we get into these quandaries of can we respect other people's choices? Uh, and the way that they're treating themselves. What I have come to realize is that self-forgiveness is an act of self-love, and self-love is what is going to awaken us all from the dream of separation. So how does one overcome illusions through love, self-love, Self-acceptance, yes. Reality opposes nothing. So moving out of any kind of attack thought and being universal. It's not okay to attack anyone in any way for any reason. And I could say, well, are we going to make exceptions for... What if somebody attacks me physically, will I defend myself? Well, I think quite easily a case could be made for sometimes it's appropriate and sometimes you're better off not defending yourself. So let's put that to the side, not making any exceptions, just saying it depends. It depends, right? I think we all know that. And so reality opposes nothing. What merely is 
needs no defense and offers none. Only illusions need defense because of weakness. And how can it be difficult to walk the way of truth when only weakness interferes? You are the strong one in this seeming conflict, and you need no defense. Everything that needs defense, you do not want. For anything that needs defense will weaken you. Wow. Everything that needs defense, you do not want. For anything that needs defense will weaken you. I also love, you are the strong one in this seeming conflict. How can it be difficult to walk the way of truth when only weakness interferes? You are the strong one in this seeming conflict. So, to me, weakness comes from being unloving. Weakness comes from being unloving. If we could muscle test it, I'm sure that's what we'd find. I'm 100% certain that being loving is strengthening. I, I used to teach uh, spin classes with my friend Jesse Brun-Haran. And uh, I would say in the classes sometimes, if you feel weak, like right now, we're spinning. We we had we called our classes Zen Spin. And I would say to folks in the class, if you're feeling weak, then think about someone you love. Love will make you stronger. Love is our true identity. Love is our natural state. When we are in tune with love, we naturally feel stronger, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Spiritually, every single way we feel stronger. So weakness comes from being unloving. What else could it come from? So how can it be difficult to walk the way of truth when only weakness interferes? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's not in big type, it's not in bold or italics, but let's face it, that's a mic drop kind of a statement there. How can it be difficult to walk the way of truth when only our weakness interferes? Where does the weakness come from? It comes from unloving thoughts. It doesn't matter if they're directed at ourselves or someone else. But that's what weakens us. Think of Superman and Kryptonite. Right? Kryptonite makes Superman weak. Unloving thoughts take us from being superheroes with superpowers to feeling weak and small and worthless unlovable, ashamed, all of the things that we struggle with. So being loving is our superpower. Being forgiving is our superpower. Extending compassion, this is our superpower. This is how we get to live as we're intended to live, as superheroes. This is it. It's not more complicated than this. In fact, <laughs> that's what Jesus talks about coming up here in, in this uh, section. Next paragraph. Consider what the ego wants defenses for. Okay, so when we're defending ourselves, we're ego identified. Of course we are. So the ego wants defenses always to justify what goes against the truth flies in the face of reason and makes no sense. Can this be justified? No, it, we can make excuses for it, but can't ever be justified. Identifying with the ego and going against the truth. So when we're defending ourselves, we're going against the truth. 
when we feel like victims, we're going against the truth because we are not victims, but we can appear like victims. We can act like victims. We can think like victims. We can truly show up like victims if we would like to. We don't have to. It's totally a choice. It is a choice that we make. So consider what the ego wants defenses for, always to justify what goes against the truth, flies in the face of reason, and makes no sense. Can this be justified? What can this be except an invitation to insanity to save you from the truth? And what would you be saved from but what you fear? Belief in sin needs great defense and at enormous cost. All that the Holy Spirit offers must be defended against and sacrificed. For sin is carved into a block out of your peace and laid between you and its return. So belief in sin needs great defense and at enormous cost. When we find ourselves being defensive, we are actually defending (laughs) our sins. If we look deeply, we can find it. So let's, let's see if we can get an example here to make this super clear. Now, mind you, I am not saying that there is sin involved here. I'm not saying that at all. It's perceived sins. So let's say someone says, hey, I thought you said you were going to get the garlic at the store. Oh, well, um, I, and the, the defense begins, right? And the defense could include attacking. Well, I thought you were going to get it. It could include, uh, I forgot. Why did you make me the one who had to do it? I didn't appreciate that. And then someone says, well, why did you say you were, if you didn't want to do it, why did you say you were going to do it? And so now you can see the defensiveness is, I believe that I've done something wrong or that you think I've done something wrong. And so that's why I'm defending myself. But if we can look underneath that, we will see that the whole reason that I am in that victim mode, in that defensive posture, is that I would secretly like to attack. And so when... That's going on. And I'm blaming you. Like, I have to attack you. You made me punish you because you are doing something wrong and it cannot be tolerated. Again, I'm getting such a good lesson from my puppy, Bodhi, because she she does things that I could say are wrong every day, of course, The other day I was bringing her in the house and just before she came in the house, she had to just place her feet in this muddy place. (laughs) It was raining and whatnot. So then I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, okay. So, but did she do something wrong? No, that's what puppies do. They, They roll in the mud. They roll in the mud puddles. Good heavens, uh, you know. I live out in the country. Of course she's going to do that. I feel very blessed that at least she's not rolling in poo, you know, rabbit poo and bear poo and fox poo and deer poo and all the different kinds of poo that are out there in the yard, in the fields around the house. Thank God she hasn't been doing that, rolling in dead animals and stuff, because a lot of golden retrievers do that kind of thing. But that's what they do. They do it to hide their own scent so that uh, no one will recognize them. Uh, but she she doesn't deserve to be punished for doing what are her instincts. 
But instead, I can offer her correction. So we've done a lot on that lately. But just looking for when I'm labeling other people as sinners and then I am attacking them for being a sinner in my eyes, then I am making myself weak. And what's going to happen is I am going to find myself defending myself because I feel weak. Notice that people who feel weak and people who are bullies often find each other, right? They find each other. They're magnetically drawn to each other. Why? Because from a spiritual perspective, the bully needs to learn compassion. The bully who's attacking the weaker person, it's an opportunity for the bully to learn compassion, to see things correctly, to see the opportunity to extend love and compassion. And the same is true for the person who feels weak and is being bullied, that they can have compassion for the bully who has no compassion, and that might awaken the heart of the bully. And the one who feels weak and seems to be bullied, chances are their mind is preoccupied with attack thoughts. And remember, if we're being defensive in our mind, we it really is a cover-up for attack thoughts. So now it says here, what would you be saved from but what you fear? So what would you be saved from but what you fear. In truth, there's nothing to save us from because we are making the world that we see. And if we fear things, that is a projection. We've given everything all the meaning that it has for us. So that's what we can be saved from, giving meaning to things, interpreting things. It says here, belief in sin needs great defense and at enormous cost. All the Holy Spirit offers must be defended against and sacrificed. That's from the ego perspective. For sin is carved into a block out of your peace and laid between you and its return. So when we believe in sin, when we're attacking people for their sins, when we feel like a victim and we're defending ourselves, we are Superman grabbing onto the kryptonite. Sin is the thing that keeps us from our peace. Sin, the belief in sin, is the thing that keeps us from our peace. It says here, Yet how can peace be so fragmented? It is still whole, and nothing has been taken from it. See how the means and the material of evil dreams are nothing? In truth, you and your brother stand together with nothing in between. God holds your hands, and what can separate whom God has joined as one with him? It is your father whom you would defend against. Yet it remains impossible to keep love out. Thank God. God rests with you in quiet, undefended, and wholly undefending. For in this quiet state alone is strength and power. Think of the simple teaching around be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know that the I am that I am is God. Be still and know I am God. I invite you to contemplate that, to hold that in your heart, 
to be still and know that I am God. Here, no weakness can enter, for here is no attack and therefore no illusions. Love rests in certainty. Only uncertainty can be defensive, and all uncertainty is doubt about yourself. Okay, 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 I get it, (laughs) we might say. Well, I'm going to take this up after the break, and I am inviting you to go to jenniferhadley.com on the break and check out what we've got going on there. We've got a wonderful class with Karen J. Gardner on Peace in A Course of Miracles, and she does the most wonderful classes. We really appreciate her. Check out all the details on the events page at jenniferhadley.com. If you're ready for peace, here's a great teaching. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I'll be right for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me and returning for the second half. I I do want to mention up front, since Karen J. Gardner has been a guest here a number of times, and uh, I think she's such a powerful and helpful spiritual teacher, Course in Miracles teacher. Her upcoming class, which I'm sponsoring at the Power of Love Ministry, is How to Make a True Choice for Peace. And the folks who take her classes tell me over and over again how much they love them. So don't take my word for it. (laughs) Many people are really loving her classes, and she only does uh, a few, so get in on this one. It's really worthwhile. So it starts October 9th. You could probably register um, later in October if you're listening to this later in October and get the replays. So check it out. And I'm sure you will be so glad that you did. She's just such a beautiful teacher and a beautiful friend. I invite you to give her your attention. All right, so we are talking about weakness and defensiveness. And (laughs) I used to be so defensive. I know so much about this. Oh, my gosh. If only I had gotten this teaching and could have comprehended it back in the day, would have saved myself so much agony. So we're talking here, uh, chapter 22, section 5, or paragraph 3, where it says, love rests in certainty. Of course it does. Love is all there is. It says, only uncertainty can be defensive. And all uncertainty is doubt about yourself. So this is one of the clear teachings of A Course in Miracles that Jesus gives us, which is that all doubt is self-doubt. And we doubt ourselves. Why? Because we're inconsistent. And that's why the number two characteristic of God's teachers is honesty which in effect means consistency. That's what he tells us. So uh, we can't be truly honest if we're being inconsistent, right? So this is the thing for us to realize is that we're always teaching something. Are we teaching consistency or inconsistency? So for me, that's why it's so important to monitor myself Am I being consistently loving? Do I take breaks? Do I have excuses for being unloving? 
Jesus tells us anger is never justified. Yet sometimes we do feel angry. Sometimes I feel angry. I feel annoyed. I feel frustrated. Irritation, frustration, annoyance, these are all anger expressions. I've come to see that if I'm angry, I'm seeing something that's not there. I'm seeing the illusion and not the truth. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Let me not deceive myself that what I'm seeing is real. Paragraph 6, he says, Forget not, when you feel the need arise to be defensive about anything, you have identified yourself with an illusion and therefore feel that you are weak because you are alone. Or I'll I'll say a little add-on here, or because you believe you are alone, because you feel you are alone. That's why you feel weak. That's why you feel defensive. And I can honestly say that through my practice, my active practice of A Course in Miracles, that sense of defensiveness and weakness has so greatly diminished because I recognize I am not alone. Which makes me think of the quote from chapter 7, paragraph 3. So helpful. I'm sorry, chapter 7, section 3, paragraph 1, where Jesus says, When I said, I am with you always, I meant it literally. I am not absent to anyone in any situation. And because I am always with you, you are the way, the truth, and the life. So the I am presence is the way, the truth, and the life. We are the I am that I am. And so when we're feeling defensive, we're feeling weak. Why are we feeling weak? We're feeling weak because We are planning, secretly planning to attack because we've lost our mind and we think that there is separation in effect and that our brothers and sisters are not part of us, that we are not one with them. And so we are believing that that separation is real and that we can attack. We're feeling like a victim of the world we see. So, as I've said many times, we can take responsibility or we can feel like a victim of the world we see. We have to choose to feel like a victim, to perceive ourselves to be a victim in order for that to be our experience. We have to then recognize that when we doubt, we're doubting ourselves. Why? Because we're inconsistent, because we're unpredictable in a sense. Going back to the weakness and defensiveness section, he says in paragraph four, how weak is fear? How little and how meaningless? How insignificant? before the quiet strength of those whom love has joined. This is your enemy, a frightened mouse that would attack the universe. How likely is it that it will succeed? Can it be difficult to disregard its feeble squeaks, to tell of its omnipotence, and would drown out the hymn of praise to its creator that every heart throughout the universe forever sings as one, which is the stronger. So that little squeaky mouse of fear or the hymn of praise that every heart throughout the universe forever sings as one, which is stronger. Is it this tiny mouse or everything that God created? You and your brother are not joined together by this mouse, 
but by the will of God. And can a mouse betray whom God has joined? So pain is a wrong perspective. Fear is also a wrong perspective. Fear is painful. We're afraid because we're trying to tell our little God about our big problem. I, I don't know where Michael Beckwith got it from. Maybe he made it up, but he used to say, instead of telling your little God about your big problem, tell your little problem about your big God. And that's the thing for us to do, to look at the problem and remember to laugh because we are one with our creator. But see, we, we do not wish to accept the power that is in our mind, the light of the Christ that is in our mind when we feel weak. We are in that place of we're choosing weakness in order to be able to attack. That, that was my experience of it is, oh, I would like to see myself as the innocent victim, and that justifies all my attack thoughts because somebody perpetrated something against me. I'm the innocent victim, and that justifies every attack thought I have ever had or will ever have. And so it's worth me seeing myself as weak, as attacked, as a victim, as someone who can be decimated. It's worth all of that, sacrificing all my magnificence in order to say, I'm innocent in this. You are to blame. You did this to me. You did this to me. You made me do it. When I think of these thoughts, I think of my friend Rhonda Britton and whose father killed her mother in front of her, shot her mother dead in front of her when she was a child. And right before he shot her mother, He said to her, you made me do this to you. You made me do this to you. And this is how people feel. Murderers. They've lost their mind to the point where they feel like innocent victims sometimes in murdering another person. They had to do it. They were defending themselves. So let's be very careful about casually defending ourselves because what we're doing is we're signing up for our own personal hell of weakness and shame and regret and guilt. And ain't nobody got time for that no more. <laughs> we Aren't we really, truly able to say I'm done with that now and instead I can say wait a minute Jesus told me I am with you always I am with you always not absent to anyone in any situation so why would I choose weakness why I'm sitting here with Jesus Jesus is with me always always for me, love is always for me, God is always for me, life is always for me, even when it seems like it's against me, it's still always for me. And I could change my mind about how I see it. So many times when it seemed like life was against me, if I could just say, no, I'm not buying that. I don't know what anything is for. I am going to sit here and relax and be still and know that I am God and see what God brings forth, to see what Spirit is offering me. 
Let me not see myself as a squeaky little mouse being frightened by the world. Let me instead say, everything I need is within me, and Spirit, Jesus, is with me always. So let me not rely upon my own abilities, my own defenses. None of that is needed. I don't need to attack anyone or call them a sinner. All of that is going to lead me to feel weak. I'm not interested in feeling weak. You know, it pops into my mind. I I know some folks who are frequently worried about money. And people have more money than I do, more assets than I do, more resources than I do. And they're worried about money. And because they're worried about money, they don't tithe, they don't share they keep energizing, they don't have enough, they don't have enough, they don't have enough. So many ways that we can be in this place of weakness. We're the ones who are saying, there's not enough, I don't have enough. Are we going to feel stronger making these affirmations? No. No, we are not. So that's why we learn to say, all my needs are met in God. I am abundant. I am prosperous. I am healthy, wealthy, and wise. (laughs) That we can find affirmations to really keep us going in our right mind, in the right direction. Paragraph 5, Jesus says, If you but recognized... How little stands between you and your awareness of your union with your brother. Be not deceived by the illusion. It presents itself, excuse me. Be not deceived by the illusions it presents of size and thickness, weight, solidity, and firmness of foundation. Yes, To the body's eyes, it looks like an enormous solid body, immovable as is a mountain. Yet within you is a force that no illusions can resist. This body only seems to be immovable. This force is irresistible in truth. What then must apply when they come together? Can the illusion of immovability be long defended from what is quietly passed through and gone beyond. So we do need to practice a willingness to see beyond the illusion. That's what I call proving God. Proving that what we think we see may not be. What we think we see may not be. It may be our interpretation. It's that thing I was talking about last week. God meant it for good, but I I saw it as a detriment. But God meant it for good. So instead of looking at things as a detriment, which feels awful, And then I'm looking for, who do I blame for this detriment? Do I blame myself? Do I blame somebody else? Somebody else has to be punished for this. Somebody, or maybe I have to punish myself for this. So many of uh, our most painful stories, both in literature and movies, in real life, or (laughs) in the illusion, are about people punishing themselves for things that they they had no control over. Or they made an error and they just couldn't forgive themselves. And they've spent their whole life punishing themselves for it. Some people look out at the world and they really do think, how can I firmly establish my victimhood in this world? So if, if we're doing that, which 
we can just know we don't have to. We do not have to do that. It's a choice. We can stop doing it. It it is weakness. So I am not a victim of the world I see. I'm willing to take responsibility. Paragraph 6. Forget not when you feel the need arise to be defensive about anything. You have identified yourself with an illusion and therefore feel that you are weak because you are alone. This is the cost of all illusions. Not one but rests on the belief that you are separate. So when we believe we're separate, we are going to see ourselves as alone and weak. So when we're experiencing that, that's when we can go the other way. That's when we can recognize, wait a minute, I feel so weak. I feel so alone. I feel so depressed. I feel so helpless. I must be identified with an illusion. Because the truth is, I am one with God, and one with God is a majority. So I am one with the only power there is. And I've forgotten it. And this is why I feel weak. So since Jesus is always with me, let me simply say, Jesus, help me to remember the truth. Help me to relinquish my attraction to this victim identity. I'm not interested in it anymore. I've explored it to the maximum. Let me now see myself as that superhero. A superhero who can forgive, extend love, be compassionate, and take responsibility. It says here, The cost of all illusions is feeling weak because we believe we're alone. Not one but rests on the belief that you are separate. Not one that does not seem to stand heavy and solid and immovable between you and your brother. And not one that truth cannot pass over lightly and so easily that you must be convinced, in spite of what you thought it was, that it is nothing. If you forgive your brother, this must happen. For it is your unwillingness to overlook what seems to stand between you and your brother that makes it look impenetrable and defends the illusion of its immovability. The unwillingness to overlook what seems to stand between you and your brother. This is the cause of so much suffering. Nothing stands between us and everyone else. We are one. There's nothing that stands between us. But don't we like to put up things between us? You know, I I can't like that one because I can't love that one because I can't appreciate that one because I can't help that one because they don't deserve my forgiveness. They don't deserve my kindness. All this kind of thinking, this is what stands between us and our remembering the power within us. It's our kryptonite. Our unloving thoughts, our withholding the love is our kryptonite, and it makes us so weak. This is the whole point of this section, weakness and defensiveness. So when we start feeling defensive, or we recognize it in somebody else, we can say, ah, I feel weak. Oh, they feel weak. They must be feeling weak because they're feeling unloving. It could be towards themselves or someone else. I am feeling weak. It must be because I'm choosing unloving thoughts. 
Oh, I feel like I can't get up off the sofa. Oh, I feel like I can't pay my bills. Oh, I feel like nobody loves me. Oh, all this, we think that we feel weak because of these things. Because we've got lack, 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 lack. Lack of money, lack of people who care about us, lack of resources, lack of intelligence, lack of health. We think that we feel so weak because of all this lack. No, there is no lack. Lack is an illusion. When we choose unloving thoughts, we're going to experience lack because we're cutting ourselves off from the source. Love is the source. If we're not in the flow of love, we're cutting it off. We're restricting it. If we're restricting it, we're going to feel weak. And then we're defending ourselves because we would like to justify our attacks. And then we feel even weaker. Attack is never justified. So, Reality opposes nothing. Nothing is against us. Everything is for us. That's an affirmation that I have used many times. Nothing is against me. Everything is for me. I am the light of the world. Might seem arrogant, but only to the ego. Ha, 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 Yes, remembering to laugh. Mm. Thank you for connecting with me today by means of this podcast. You know, there are so many free resources at jenniferhadley.com and livingacourseofmiracles.com, including daily inspiration and daily prayer. So I invite you to come and take advantage of it. Check out the websites. Uh, Also, if you're interested in becoming a spiritual counselor or just developing your listening skills, your intuitive skills, My spiritual counseling intensive training is in November, and the details are at jenniferhadley.com. Thank you for your love and support. I'm, I'm blown away, truly. Thank you. Let's take that breath. We are grateful and thankful to choose love today and every day. We bless the world, and we're blessed by it. We say simply, let it be. Amen. Amen.